Hi, this is Karen and Jimmy Evans with Marriage Today. This podcast is dedicated to equipping families with the teaching and tools they need to succeed. We hope you enjoy this episode and subscribe for more marriage building content. Today, we are talking about... Celebrating your differences. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah, you know, we're different by God's design. And um, there's nothing worse than a marriage where one or both people reject the differences in their spouse. I'm talking about the God-given differences, and I did. Mm -hmm. When we got married, I completely rejected uh, you being a woman, Mm -hmm. a normal, healthy woman. I didn't didn't know what that looked like. Uh, I I was dominant, and I wanted to uh, conform you into my image, and I damaged you. Mm -hmm. I damaged our marriage a lot through that. But one of the things that, that healed our marriage was learning to accept each other not and not, not learning to tolerate it but learning to celebrate it that we're that we're a good team mm-hmm. you and I have very different perspectives and giftings and all of that well if you don't respect those you're going to fight like cats and dogs mm-hmm. you're going to put each other down you're going to criticize each other but once you understand what a normal man and a nor- normal woman looks like and the fact that you are very very different by God's design and you begin to celebrate that, it completely changes everything about marriage. Now, Karen, we, we're going to go into this teaching here in just a minute, but we have a couple of questions from our listeners. Let me read you one here. Uh, I wish my husband would talk more about the pain from his childhood. How can I help him feel safe to share anything with me? Well, this is what I had to do with you because I am, it's easy for me to get into relational conversations. It's just, an, it's a gift I have. You know, and I can see things. I mean, I have that gift of empathy where I can see things in you, and I'm thinking, something must have happened to make you act this way <laughs> because I'm such a wonderful person. But, you know, so, you know, it's, I think it's the communication that you have to have. You know, I've said that before, that you and I started our relationship with great communication. You know, we talked about everything, yeah. and there was no shame in talking about it. You know, we didn't shame each other. And I think for, you know, a husband and a wife, they have to be sensitive to the timing and looking for ways to talk about it without there being an embarrassment or a judgment or a shame and um, and just, you know, encouraging it, just encourage to say, you know, or even give an example of maybe, you know, when I was, you know, that this is what happened with me. Have you ever had that happen? And so I think that's what could help. Well, men are a little different, you know, I've, in counseling over the years, um, women will say their first word and cry their first tear. Uh, most women are extremely in touch with their emotions. Men, men are not. And you would ask me a thousand times for the first however many years of our marriage, because mm-hmm. I had dev- some devastating things that happened to me growing up. And I told you about them. I didn't, I didn't hide them. Mm-hmm. And you would say, well, how'd that make you feel? And I'd say, nothing. I didn't feel anything. Well, I, did, I didn't know how to process it. You know, I mean, I didn't know how to, literally, I didn't know how to feel. And so in talking with you and in praying, that's when the Lord would bring up those feelings from my past. Um, and uh, my encouragement to her would be pray for your husband because mm-hmm. you prayed for me. Yeah. And just pray that the Lord would help him to bring these things back that need to be healed. But it's not as though men don't want to talk. Now, there's sometimes men that are shut off. But a lot of times they don't know how to. They they just don't know how to. If I if I keep talking about it, how do I? Pro, what do I do? Mm-hmm. I didn't know. But when the Lord brought it back up, and I was able then to forgive, 
and to work through it, uh, that's what helped me. Yeah. Okay, I have a question for you. Okay. Jimmy, my wife doesn't appreciate all the hard work I do for the family. Her lack of respect just pushes me away. She doesn't get it. Well, have her have her read the Four Laws of Love, uh, my book, or listen to the audio book, or or watch you know watch it on TV, um, because it's very important. W- women need love uh, in you know care, uh, and they need to know that they're first. Men need respect. It, it's our mega need. And when a man works, his and his wife doesn't give him respect. He doesn't give him respect in general. It is it's taking the oxygen out of his world that he needs. Now, don't mistreat your wife and don't withdraw from her uh, because she's doing that. You need to love your wife. You need to meet her needs, be praying for her, and share with her mm-hmm. on some regular basis and just say, honey, I need you to... I need you to respect me. You just, you just don't give me the respect that I need. But don't do it punitively, yeah. and don't withdraw because then you have uh, you started a war. So love her, but tell her the truth. That's good. Okay, we hope this helps today. If you haven't subscribed to, to this podcast, we hope that you'll do that and also leave us a review. Uh, we love hearing how this helps your marriage. Now we're going to go to the podcast today on celebrating your differences. I want to begin with a premise in this message, and this is a very important premise in this message. We seek marriage for many reasons, but one of the most important is that we are all incomplete and unhealed, and we're looking for a spouse to fix that. Why do we choose the spouse that we choose? It's because we're incomplete and unhealed, and we're looking for a spouse to change that. Karen and I, dated, I think like most people date. Um, We fell in love, we were, uh, I met Karen when we were sophomores at Tascosa High School. And um, we were in sophomore biology class together and I thought that she was very beautiful. And I asked her out in May of that year, I asked her out to a Three Dog Night concert. (laughs) How many of you remember Three Dog Night? Raise your hands, encourage me. Yeah, it's not the younger people that raise their hand, it's the mature people like me. But we went to a Three Dog Night concert and we loved each other and so we dated for a while. And, but as soon as I secured the relationship with Karen, I began to take her for granted. And I think that's very common. And we began to fight. I call it the performance phase of the relationship. We were performing for each other and putting our best foot forward. But as soon as we had secured each other, that's when we began to act normal, which for me was not good. And we began to fight like cats and dogs which led us to you know, the brink of divorce. Let me, let me talk about why we, why we marry the person that we marry and how it can be a healing journey and not be a journey of pain like, like ours was for so long. And I wanna say this related to the sovereignty of God because God is more sovereign than we think he is in who we marry. It's understanding the sovereign purpose of God in marriage or why God tricks us into falling in love with someone who can drive us so crazy and why they drive us so crazy and how we can stop being driven so crazy and be healed. When we're dating, we are doing it mostly on a very subconscious level and we don't realize it. We're we're dating a person and we're looking at how attractive they are or if we like being with them or if we share the same basic things in common 
And it, it is important to, uh, to, to be compatible, and I'll talk more about that in just a minute. But research has proven that most of the dating that we do in choosing a spouse is a very, it's done on the subconscious. And a good analogy is an iceberg. You see an iceberg and the tip is sticking out of the water, but the mass is below the water. When we're dating, we're looking at a person typically at a very, on a very superficial level. But God is doing something so much more under the surface that we don't even know about. And it's the not knowing that creates the danger. It's not understanding what God is doing when we're choosing a spouse that really creates the danger uh, in when we marry and a lot of the pain that is caused in marriage. So I wanna talk about two sovereign and subconscious choices that we make when we're choosing a spouse. When, when Karen and I were dating, I, I was dating her. I didn't know there was anything deeper than just going out and having fun. But God wires us to choose a spouse according to his will. God wires us to choose a spouse in a certain way. And there's something way deeper going on when we're dating. And, and then the person we marry, there's something much more sovereign than we think there is in who we marry. And so there's two choices that we make when we're dating and get married that we need to understand. The first is when we're dating and marry, we're trying to find a person to be our compatible opposite. Okay. Now, a lot of people would say, no, when I marry, I'm looking for someone that's like me. No, you're not. In, in a, on a conscious level, you may think that you're looking for a person that's like you. God wired you to find your opposite. This is what Genesis 2.18 says. The Lord said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. The word helper is the word aidser. It means to supply what is lacking. God didn't create another Adam because Adam didn't need another him. He needed someone to supply what was lacking. Marriage is not this, marriage is this. You don't need another you. The last thing in the world you need is another you. You need someone who supplies what's lacking. And so God created Eve to complement Adam. And so when we're getting married, consciously we're thinking, I'm gonna find someone that's just like me. I just, you know, because I'm normal, I wanna find another normal person just like me. I don't, know, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but you're basically incompatible with yourself. You know, you're looking for somebody compatible. We're looking for someone to complete us. Compatibility is not based on sameness. Compatibility is based on beliefs, values, and character. What makes Karen and I compatible is not that we're the same because we're polar opposites. What makes Karen and I compatible is we love Jesus, we're going to the same place in life and we both agree that the character of Christ is what we're after. You want a person that you share beliefs with, that you share life goals with and values, and that you believe in their character. The, the purpose of dating is not to see how good a person is in bed. The purpose of dating is to see a person's character so you can spend your life with them safely. That's the, person, the purpose of dating. So if we have the same beliefs and values and character, we're compatible, but we're gonna be very, very different. And it's not understanding that that causes so much of the problem. Remember, Adam rejected Eve. As soon as they fell, Adam rejected Eve and said to God, that woman that you gave me, she's, she's the problem. Ever since she showed up, there's been nothing but problems. And he was not accusing Eve, he was accusing God of not giving him the right woman, even though he did. He was created perfectly. Now I've written a new book, Harper Collins is the publisher, and my co-author is Alan Kelsey. 
And our book is called Strength-Based Marriage. And um, the Strength Finders, for those of you who are in business, Strength Finders is the number one business book uh, in the world. 12 million people have taken the Clifton Strength Finders assessment. And the Clifton Strength Finders, there are 34 strengths. Uh, and we all have certain strengths and weaknesses. Uh, but there are 34 strengths. These are really, really brilliantly done. My number one strength is called achiever. And achiever just means get it done. I wake up in the morning, I'm gonna get it done. I'm an achiever. My number 34 strength is empathy. Empathy means just feeling. Feeling other people's pain and being in touch with the emotions around you. Okay, so I'm number one achiever, number 34 empathy. Karen is number one empathy and number 34 achiever. We are exact opposites. Alan, Alan said, I don't know that I've ever tested two people who are more opposite than you and Karen. You're opposite. I've, I've known it for many years. You're opposite. So, so I'm an achiever. I wake up, I get it done. Karen is empathy. She feels. Karen lives in a feeling. She's very healthy, by the way. I'm not talking, this isn't a bad thing, it's a good thing. But Karen feels, okay? I don't feel. I mean, I guess I feel things, you know, but, but an example of how I don't feel is sometimes I'll have a toothache um, and my teeth start hurting. Well, when my teeth start hurting, I know I have a headache. And so when my teeth start hurting, I'll think to myself, I better have a headache. And I'll think about it for a minute or two and I realize I have a terrible headache and I've had it for several days. And people say, and people say well, you just don't feel headaches? I don't feel like other people, I just don't. Why? I don't know, I just don't feel but my wife feels for me. She, she lives in a constant feeling. When I'm talking to Karen on the phone when she's in the car, I'm getting a rundown on everybody in her life that she's passing. <laughs> Every bump in the road, all the traffic, all the people who pull in front of her. And sometimes when we're talking on the phone when she's driving, I just have to say, focus, focus. I just wanna talk about what we're having for supper. I don't wanna hear about everybody on the road. Okay. We were eating dinner one night, we were eating at a restaurant, and we had a bad waitress. She, she was just a bad waitress. And uh, she's slow, we couldn't find her, she got the order wrong, all that kind of stuff. And so I realized about halfway through dinner that Karen was focused on that waitress. And I knew what was about to happen. I've lived with a sister many years. I knew it was about to happen. <laughs> and I said, leave it alone. And she said, no, there's something wrong with that waitress. I'm gonna find out what it is. I said, leave it alone. We're, we're gonna eat and go. We're not here to fix anybody tonight. Okay. We're just going to eat and leave. Okay. And we will feel like we've achieved something. <laughs> it wasn't two seconds that waitress was over and Karen had all of her personal history and ministered to her. And, it, it, you know, and, and when it was over, I just thought, well, that was real touching. You know, that was just, that was great. But, it, but her emotions make me nervous. To this day, they just make me nervous, you know, because I just don't feel, but so we're different. We're different. Well, here's what happened early in our marriage. I would just say, you're weird. What's wrong with you? You feel too much. You don't, you're not supposed to feel everything, you know? And I would just shame her and, and she did the same with me. We just sit, rejected each other. And when we were hurting each other, that's what we did. And then as our marriage matured, I remember the, the conversation that we had one day and Karen said to me, she said, uh, Jimmy, I am sorry. I am so sorry for how I feel. I know it bothers you. I know that you, you think that I feel too much. 
And I'm gonna try, I'm gonna try not to, I'm sorry. And, and here's what I said to Karen, and I meant it from the bottom of my heart. Karen, I'm, I need someone like you in my life. Please don't stop feeling. See, in marriage, there are rejected differences, there are tolerated differences, and there are celebrated differences. The healing takes place when you start celebrating your differences. Karen and I are a great team. We, we really are a great team. As a family unit, what I do really well, Karen doesn't care much about. What Karen does really well, I don't care that much about. We do some things together, obviously, and we enjoy being together. But we make such a good team. See, a good team is not made up of people who do the same things. There's only one quarterback. You know, there's, a, there's only one person who plays each position, but you have to have all the positions to make a team. I don't need someone like me. I need someone different. But the problem is we're looking for someone who is our compatible opposite when we're dating. As soon as we get them, we begin to shame them and reject them because they're not like us. Because we don't understand what God is doing. God is putting us together with an aidser. If you're married, your spouse is your aidser. They're supplying what is lacking. In my case, emotions. Karen is supplying in my life what's lacking. So when Karen feels, after 43 years of marriage, when Karen feels today, I don't shame her, reject her, I listen to it. In fact, I go to Karen sometimes and say, Let me, tell me how I'm feeling. And <laughs> I don't know. I'll say, how am I feeling about this? And Karen will say, well, you're feeling this. I'll think, really? Yeah. Think about it for a little while. I think that's what I'm feeling. <laughs> She's an expert feeder. She's just a great feeder. Jimmy Evans, you want to get it done? I'm your guy. I'm an achiever. I'm going to get it done. I'll kill some people in the meanwhile, but I'll get it done. <laughs> Thank God for Karen. She's kept me out of so much trouble. You are wired to find your opposite. Celebrate it. Don't reject it. Celebrate it. God's going to give you an aidser. You want to be compatible? You want to be compatible in Christ? You want to have the same character and values but someone different? Here's the second subconscious decision and sovereign decision that we're making. To find a committed partner to walk me back through my past so I can heal. Now many people, including myself, would say when they're getting married, I want to find a person to take me as far from my past as I can possibly get. It is exactly the opposite. I believe it's why I married Karen. I believe it's why she married me. We fought each other. We did not have an understanding of that though. And we wounded each other. We wounded each other. And we wounded each other until we began to heal each other. You say, well, Jimmy, what changed that you began to heal each other? Number one, we had to both admit that we were wounded. I was very macho and I was extremely damaged, but I put on this tough exterior. And every time that Karen would get close to my wounds, which I had many, I would reject her and act tough. Now, Karen advertised her pain. She had low self-esteem and everybody knew it. She was devastated. And so, but Karen was the first one that came to me. She was more humble than me. And she more honest than me. And Karen said, I'm damaged. I'm damaged, Jimmy. And I thought, well, finally you're getting it. You know, you're the problem. Yeah, well, she was more godly than me, more humble than me. But then the Lord broke through my heart and I stopped the, the lie. And I told Karen, I'm damaged, Karen. And it's the fear of you seeing this that motivates a lot of my fights. I don't, I don't want you to see how messed up I really am. But obviously she could see it. 
We stop blaming each other and attacking each other. If you're gonna heal each other, you have to stop attacking each other. And this is what Karen did that was so wise. She just sat down one day and said, God heal me. Wasn't about Jimmy, God heal me. She put the focus on herself. We both turned to God, but another thing that we began to do that was very important is we allowed each other to complain without being attacked. And I said to Karen and she said to me, I'm your safe place. I'm not gonna judge you and attack you when you say stuff. And if there's something that you're feeling, if there's something that's going on, I want you to tell me and I won't attack you. And so we're gonna talk it out, but I'm not gonna attack you. So we became a safe place for each other to come and share and we healed each other. Now let me say this, women were given the name in Genesis two of the Holy Spirit, helper. Jesus said, when I leave, I'm gonna send another helper, Azer. It's the, that's Azer's the Hebrew, but in the New Testament, it's the same thing. He's gonna supply what's lacking. He's gonna give you the power to accomplish a task and to supply what's lacking. Women are made in the image of the Holy Spirit. And guess what? The Holy Spirit's a healer. How did Karen heal me? She, well, first of all, she helped me find my emotions. Karen helped me to walk back through my past. I, I'm not wired to feel. And so we would have conversations. It was talking to Karen that healed me because we would have conversations about my past and I would say something and Karen would say, Jimmy, this is, this is what happened and this is how you're feeling about that. She was always right. Gently, spirit of truth, that's what Karen is, just like the Holy Spirit. She healed me. She was my safe place to talk and she believed in me. She, she always believed in me. She always spoke you know, honor to me. Honor heals men. Mo many men, our deepest wounds are caused by disrespect and lack of honor. And so her honor healed me. How did I heal Karen? I gave her strength and confidence when she was unsure of herself. I have confidence. I gave her confidence when, when she lacked it. I committed myself to nourish and cherish her and to put her first in my life. And so I created an environment of security when I cherished Karen and put her first. You were designed to heal each other. Now, let me, let me say one thing and I'm done. There's a movie called Groundhog's Day, Bill, Bill Murray. And in this movie, he's a rotten guy. He's a weatherman, and he's at this place doing a report on Groundhog's Day, and he's just a rotten guy, immoral, just a crummy, rotten guy. And he wakes up the next morning, and it's the same day. It's still Groundhog's Day. And he's trying to get this girl. Andy McDowell plays the character of the woman. He's trying to get this girl, and he's a rotten guy. And he wakes up the same day, he's still rotten. And he wakes up the next day, he's still rotten. Day after day, he wakes up and it's still Groundhog's Day, over and over, and he's a rotten guy. And finally, he gets the message that he needs to improve as a human being. And so he begins to be kind and thoughtful and moral, and he begins to improve himself. And finally, at the end of the movie, he's just a wonderful human being, and he wakes up and it's a new day. If you keep rejecting each other and attacking each other, you're gonna keep living the same day for the rest of your life. You're not gonna wake up in a new day in your marriage until you understand this. You married your opposite, celebrated. Hey, this is Brent Evans with Exo Marriage, and I wanna thank you for listening to the Marriage Today podcast. We believe your marriage has a 100% chance of success if you do it God's way. If you enjoyed today's teaching and want to keep learning, Hey, subscribe to the Marriage Today podcast and take some time to leave us a review. Your reviews help us spread the word and can encourage someone else in need. 
For more great marriage content, check out exomarriage.com where you can see all of our marriage building resources, articles, and live events. 